Well, this weekend is annual Catholic Appeal Rollout Weekend, so get pumped. First, what is the annual Catholic Appeal? Every diocese has to fund its central ministries. So we as a parish fund our local ministries, and then the diocese has to fund its central ministries. The mechanism by which that happens in the Code of Canon Law is primarily a tax on the parishes and other ecclesiastical institutions. So everything that is part of the Archdiocese of Seattle is taxed by the chancery to fund chancery operations. Essentially, we have an income tax. Every dollar that we bring up, a certain percentage of that goes down to Seattle. Well, that income tax can get expensive. So a few decades ago at this point, the archdiocese and many other dioceses around the country decided that in order to lighten the burden on the parish budgets, they would take all of their really appealing ministries, that's why it's an appeal, they would take all of their really appealing ministries and they would package them together. So things like seminarian support, which we all think is important, youth rallies, social justice concerns, all of the public helpful ministries that are, that are visible and that people really care about. They would take all of those and instead of funding them via the tax on parishes, they would fund them via a campaign that all the parishes would roll out each year. Some dioceses is called the Bishop's Appeal, and ours it's the Annual Catholic Appeal. The idea being, if I can get up here and tell you about all of the exciting things that the Archdiocese does, and apparently centralized HR is not as exciting, that has to be covered by the tax, if I can tell you all of the exciting things that the Archdiocese does, you will get excited to fund the Archdiocese, and then you can give money directly to the Archdiocese instead of it having to go through the parish budget. So it lightens the burden on the parishes, you get to feel like you're directly involved, it's a win-win. My argument, though, is it's not a win-win when you do it for 25 or 30 years straight, because it gets a little less appealing. It's fine, it's early in the morning. So it's hard for me to get up year after year and, and make it this big production. The diocese wants me to talk about it for four or five weeks straight, bring in witness speakers. I just don't find that helpful or necessary. Instead, I have a very solid policy at this parish about treating our parishioners like adults. So that's why I don't repeat things in the bulletin, because you have to remind kids 20 times to put their shoes on, but that's not how you treat adults. Similarly, we know, we know that we have to help fund the ministries of our bishop. We know that. And so I don't like to put on a big song and dance dog and pony show. Instead, I simply like to talk about the need, give it to our parishioners, and ask you to help us meet that need. Parish does have a goal. We do have to make that goal. Anything above that goal comes back to the parish. Anything below that goal is is taxed from the parish. We have to pay the difference for that goal. Well, I've done this the last two years. No dog and pony show. Talk about it once. Call it good. And amazingly, you folks are amazing, we made our goal. No problem. Didn't have to do a whole thing. Didn't have to do witness speakers. We just... We just did it. And it was, I'm proud of you for so many things, but I was just proud. I was just like, oh, this is awesome. Like, 
our parishioners just get it, and I was very happy about that. So that's my bargain to you again this year. If we talk about it once, and it looks like we're going to make our goal, we don't have to talk about it again. And I feel like that's a win-win for all of us. Now, despite my eye-rolling about the whole campaign aspect of this, I do want to make it clear I think it's important that we fund our archdiocese. There are very important things that happen in the archdiocese. And from a canonical perspective, the tax on the parish budget and the annual Catholic appeal are both taxes, since we have to make that goal either way. All of the ministries of our archdiocese are important. The ones that they like to put public-facing, again, seminarian support, it would be very hard for me to do seven years of post-undergraduate education to be a priest if it weren't funded by the archdiocese. Be very hard to do that. That's obviously important. Certainly, the youth rallies are important. The social justice concerns are important. The different things that we do, but but honestly, things like centralized HR are important. The ability when we're having an issue here, like a legal issue, to call up the archdiocesan lawyer and say, "Hey, how do we deal with this?" Like that's very important. If we had to contract out for all of those services, it would be even more expensive. So from a very practical perspective, having a centralized office of the archdiocese, having a chancery, is a huge help to us. And it is important for our parishioners to contribute to that help, for our sake, but also for the sake of uh, all of the parishes of the archdiocese, including those who are not as well off as we are. A lot of parishes who really can't deal with a lot of things themselves and really need the support of the archdiocese. But this is a homily, and at some point it's important to talk about Jesus, otherwise why are we here? And so a couple things from the readings that I think um, would help us reflect on the need for this appeal and why it's important for us to contribute. First, we have this first reading from the Acts of the Apostles, and, and this is the part of the Acts of the Apostles where it really turns to all the things that Paul is doing, all the journeys of Paul, all the places he's going, the people he's preaching to. And so Paul is headed back to Antioch. He's done this journey and he's back to Antioch. And so on his way, he's described as doing this. They appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting commended them to the Lord in whom they had put their faith. Paul believed that it was very important for every city in which the church was established to have an overseer, or here, an elder, what we today would call a bishop. It was very important that every local church, and when Rome talks in canon law about a local church, she means a diocese, so Western Washington is a local church. Every local church to have somebody entrusted with their care. It's, it's a gift to us that we should have somebody looking out for us, somebody who is overseeing us, an elder among us. And so even though he, like all clerics, is simply a human being with all his gifts and flaws, just as I have my own gifts and flaws, at the end of the day, our archbishop is a gift to us, a gift from the apostles, in a sense, a gift from Saints Peter and Paul themselves, this belief from the apostles that we needed care, we needed an elder, we needed oversight, and that that gift should continue throughout the centuries and the millennia, it's something that we shouldn't forget given to us by the apostles as a gift. 
And so when our Archbishop comes to us and says, I need your help with my ministries, I need your help to make sure that I can fund the things that I have to do to fulfill my office as a successor to the Apostles, when he comes to us with that appeal, I think it's important for us to receive it as it's intended, as a request from the person who is given to us by the Apostles. Second, in our second reading from the book of Revelation, and it plays into our gospel where Christ tells us that we're marked by our love for each other, but I think it's, it's interesting how concrete it gets in our second reading. St. John is describing the perfection of creation. So it's called revelation because it pulls back the veil, the revelation, the, it pulls back the veil of creation so that you can see the spiritual forces that are happening behind the scenes. And so he, he gives descriptions of all of this evil. That's what people often focus on. This is the end of the world and all these beasts and whatever. He gives descriptions of what evil looks like, but he also gives descriptions of what perfection, what heavenly existence looks like. And so one of the descriptions he gives us is of a holy city. He says, I also saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. It is incredible that St. John would use the image of a city to describe the heavenly reality. He's playing off of maybe, um, or at least it's an amazing coincidence, that he does the same thing that Plato does, that many of the ancient Greeks did. When they were trying to understand society and humanity, they would use the analogy of a city. The ancients were fascinated with cities. So St. John says that the heaven reality is like a city, the new Jerusalem. Well, what's so important about a city? A city is a group of people working for a common goal. Oftentimes in the ancient world, it was a group of people working for the goal of their mutual protection and their mutual survival, raising things like food. But together, a city is a functional unit. It has people of all sorts of stripes contributing in all sorts of different ways. A city has politicians and farmers and bakers and candlestick makers. All of these people in the city aim toward the same goal, doing the same thing, but in their own different ways. St. John essentially is telling us this is what the body of Christ, the church, those who are redeemed and united in Jesus, this is what we look like at our best. All of us playing our different roles, doing our different thing, with a common mission and a common goal. The worship of Jesus Christ and the mutual support of each other. When we talk about the annual Catholic appeal, when we talk about the church in her perfection, when we are at our best... We are talking about the fact that every single one of us, as a Catholic, plays our unique role in this church. In this parish, we all have our own ministries and ways that we contribute, but also in the archdiocese. We are part of a larger city, a well-functioning city, and that well-functioning city requires that all of us play our roles. If a city doesn't have the farmer or doesn't have the politician or doesn't have the baker, something is significantly lacking. This is the sixth time I've spoken about tithing since I got to Assumption, twice a year. I always emphasize that tithing is spiritually good for us. Money is a deep temptation. It's very easy for us to be always focused on acquisition. I need more. I'm, it's never enough. I'm never safe enough. I never am comfortable enough. 
I never quite have that nest egg that I want. It's very easy for us to focus on that. In order to defang money, in order to remove its power over us, because it is necessary, we have to interact with money, we have to take care of ourselves and our families, but in order to remove its temptation, we have to give it away. By giving our money away, we remember that all of our financial resources are first and foremost a gift from God. And if we give away the first, name a percentage, right, the first 10% of our money, then we can remind ourselves this is first the money of the Lord, and second, the money that I use for my own support. And so I think it's incredibly important that we all set a percentage of our income and give that percentage away each year. That's the message I've been preaching for three years. An additional part of that, though, today, with this idea of a well-functioning city, with the idea that our Archbishop is a gift from the Apostles, I think it's really important that each of us be able to say, in a very concrete way, that we contribute to the mission of the Church. Now, that's very real here in the parish. I think all of you know that and take that seriously. Many of you give your time. Many of you give your money. Both are necessary. Even if you're not the frontline minister, even if you're not able to teach the class or run the program, those classes and programs need financial support. And so we need people who are able to give money to support it. Those who give time and those who give money can both claim to be contributing to the mission of the church. Well, this is, I think, equally true with the archdiocese. All of us should be able to claim a participation in the ministry of our archbishop, the things that our archbishop does to take care of our parishes. Very few of us can contribute to archdiocesan ministry with time, but all of us can contribute to archdiocesan ministry with funding. If I had a goal this year, other than the goal that we have to hit so we don't get dinged in our parish budget, if I had a goal other than that this year, it would be that every single one of us could say that we participate in archdiocesan ministry, that each of us could say, I gave at least a dollar to the annual Catholic appeal, just so that I know that I'm contributing to this city, this church that is functioning well. Now, a final note. I know that after 2002 and then 2018, with uh, all of the different revelations about sex abuse that we've had to just deal with over and over and over again in this church, that in our desire for change, in our desire to see something be different, a lot of people took the approach that they wouldn't give to the annual Catholic appeal anymore. Two notes on that. First, practically, it doesn't work. These are taxes. I have to pay the tax either way. So if you don't give to the annual Catholic appeal, it just means it comes out of the parish budget. And I haven't met anybody who said, I don't want to give to the parish anymore. You see the effect that the parish has in your lives and in the community. If you don't, if you are unhappy or angry with the archdiocese, I, I think that's, that's fine. There's justification for the anger that we feel about that. But the way you live that anger out, it will punish the parish if we don't make our annual Catholic appeal goal. Second, though, a lot of our anger about that is, is a desire for change. We all want to see our church do its best. We want to see our church reflect accurately Jesus Christ. In my own piece that I've had to find around this, and particularly being a priest, I mean, 
not only am I a Catholic and therefore marred by this when it's in the news, I'm a priest. People associate me with the sins that we're talking about. So I've had to find peace with this myself. The peace that I've found is that the only thing I have control over is my holiness. I have some control over the decisions of the parish, so in that sense I guess I have a contributing influence on your holiness too. But the only thing I really have control over is my holiness. And the only change I'm ever going to see in the world, and also in the archdiocese, is going to come from becoming a saint. If I can become a saint, if I can really live the image of Jesus Christ, I don't think it's possible for people to turn down Jesus Christ. If we live as holy people, our holiness will spread out like ripples. And that will have an effect on our parish, and ultimately, if our parish is full of saints, it will have an effect on our archdiocese. That may not make it feel better to give a dollar or ten dollars or a hundred dollars to the archdiocese, and I get that, but it's what I have to offer you. At the end of the day, though, even as we struggle with the imperfection of the church and our own imperfections, I think it's still very important that we try our best to be the well-functioning city mentioned in the book of Revelation, that we try our best to come together as a parish and as an archdiocese and try to live out the mission given to us by Jesus Christ.